Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to another episode of the Black Case Diaries. I'm Marcy, and I have with me... Robin. And Adam. As always. And we have a guest this time. This is our first guest. So, uh, Robin, do you want to introduce our guest? Uh, yeah. Um, he is... He's very special in my life. I love him very much. <laughs> he's my dad. Oh, Mr. Bob Hecker. So... Maybe we'll admit his last name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've always known him as Mr. Hecker. Yeah. So that's, that's how it's going to be for Say me. Say hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so this episode, uh, we're going to be talking about Laurel and Hardy. So they were a pretty famous, I'm sure you've heard of them, comedy duo from about the 20s to the 40s. I didn't really watch them too much as a kid. The most I watched them was when I went over to Robin's house. So, Same with me. But, um, <laughs> but, it's, but even before uh, you showed me the episodes, um, I knew the name. I've heard Laurel and Hardy before. I know I've actually seen, looking back, I remember seeing a few episodes at my barber shop. Um, <laughs> oh, because, the yeah, That's because cute. they, whenever they'd have uh, people waiting, they have a tiny TV in there and they would put on like really old stuff, actually. You know, somebody would have the news on or whatever. And then the other, because it's two brothers that are at my barber shop and he'd go up to it and he'd like, ah, enough of this. And he'd switch it to like <laughs> TV land or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then one of the days I remember uh, seeing a Laurel and Hardy episode. I didn't realize that that's what it was at the time, but but uh, that's what it was. It's pretty cool. So it, it's always been a name that, or, or two names yeah. that I've known. I would definitely take them over the news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hands um, down. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, much more fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I, since I grew up with Dad, I watched Laurel and Hardy when I was a kid. Uh, we also watched a lot of Three Stooges, so we can't decide what I saw more of. Um, but I always was a really big fan of Laurel and Hardy. Their timing was really good, and I mm-hmm. remember that Dad was always really, he was always pointing it out to me and always explaining, like, well, you need to understand, like, this is really, what they're doing is really hard. This is, you know, this is really important. This is really special. And my dad is also a clown, so comedic timing was a big deal you know and it was really fun to watch it with him because he loved it so much and we would watch it as kids because it is pretty cool to watch it with kids um mm-hmm. <laughs> you know even though it's black and white and right you know, if you can get them to pay attention and yeah kind of realize what's happening it's still really funny it's clearly mm-hmm. yeah older and we thought we would do this episode a little bit in response to uh stan and ollie the movie that recently came out wasn't really available to us mm-hmm. as much in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there were like a couple few weekends we could see it. <laughs> yeah, and we weren't able to unfortunately. Yeah. Which, but we will. And uh, you know that movie though, based on the trailers and you know what we know about it, focused more on the end of their career. And uh, we thought, how about we talk about the best part of it? Yeah, <laughs> the, the more interesting and not so sad part. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and if you've never seen Laurel Hardy, you should go just go to YouTube. That's um, what I did sorry. last night. Yeah, just they're on YouTube. <laughs> um, there's lots, and you've seen, you've definitely seen pictures of them, even if you don't know their names. Um, there are two men, one thin, one big, both wearing bowler hats. It's really mm-hmm. you. You've seen them. <laughs> we actually asked Dad to come on because he is such a big fan of Laurel and Hardy. And he's the person that introduced me to them. 
and um, I have been told to t- let everyone know that he's not an expert, <laughs> which is fine. You'll fit right in yeah. <laughs> because none of us, none of us are. <laughs> so, but he knows much more about it than we do. So we thought it would be really cool to get his perspective about it too. So, Dad, <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> Thanks for coming, by the yeah. way. Thanks for having me. It's obviously a pleasure, Dad. We love you so much. Yes. Um, I actually uh, wanted to ask you, how old do you think you were when you started watching Laurel and Hardy? First, I should just throw a disclaimer out and say that, like, you're right. I'm not an ex- neither an expert on Laurel and Hardy nor a film historian that can speak with any authority on the scope of their career. <laughs> just a lifelong fan, so only can talk about how they've affected me. What was your question? <laughs> I just wanted to know how old you thought you might be when you started watching them. I'd say I was in second grade. Wow. Mm. So, you know, probably about 10 years ago when my dad was in second grade, he started yep. watching Laurel <laughs> <Yeah>. and Hardy. <laughs> right. Thank you. I'm a senior in high school now. Yep. <laughs> wow, so accomplished. How many kids? Six kids? <laughs> He's had a really interesting life, guys. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so um, why do you think you liked them? Like, what, what do you think drew you to like them? We had just moved into our house out in the country and we had a tv antenna an 80 foot tv antenna that would pick up four stations instead of the one station that i was used to seeing and so it opened a whole new world of black and white tv and um i would sneak out on saturday mornings before anybody else was awake i'd slither out like a snake between past my mom and dad's bedroom because their door was usually open and i had to be real quiet to get past my mom and i'd turn on the tv and keep the sound real down and there was this there was this sad faced skinny man and this (laughs) more jovial a uh, fat man, and they, I kept watching their antics together, and I wondered who they could possibly be. Maybe after about a year or so, I asked my mom, I described them to her, and asked her who they could be, and she said, you must be talking about Laurel and Hardy. And I had no idea, I'd never heard of them, <laughs> so I had no idea who they were, but um, I watched them with growing fascination, and I was able to turn the volume up occasionally, too. And, <laughs> and sometimes a TV show on Channel 10, Flippo the Clown would have movies on, on called The Early Show, 4.30 in the afternoon, and uh, he'd have Laurel and Hardy occasionally. So that's where I really got was introduced to them. Wow. Mm. And I, I know Flippo the Clown's a really big part of Ohio culture. I'm not sure like if he had any reach outside of Ohio, but I know that he was a big... Because his costume was in the Ohio Historical Society <laughs> one time when I went there as a kid. So I yeah. know I okay. know that he was kind of a big deal. Um, so really well known. He was self-billed as the king of the clowns. But um, that's just, mm. I mean, that's what he called himself. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> most everybody else called him Flippo. But he was, uh, he was, uh, he was very good. And, Typical and, Ohioan then, you know, <laughs> no, saying was, that they're the best, you know. <laughs> No, uh, born born Marvin Fishman, and then he uh, changed his name to Bob Marvin and became Flippo the Clown in the ni- I believe in the nineteen fifties. Ah, well. I always admired my dad because I always felt like he was like a living encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah, no, just, I w- just a f- few aspects of useless knowledge. <laughs> it's no big deal, guys. He's just a genius. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Um, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I'm yeah. What Wait, about what about you? When did you get? get like hooked yeah he he was the one who introduced it to you but what about them or or what was a if you remember a moment that really uh stuck with you to, um, to make you want to continue i'm trying to th- you know there were a couple movies that dad would watch with us there was one uh called way out west and i remember there i just remember i would think i was probably about 10 years old or so and i knew who they were at that point we'd watched a lot of them 
But there's a scene in the movie where uh, they're fighting over a deed. And uh, there's a joke. It's just like, uh, you know, one person gets the deed and they say, ha-ha. And the next person gets it and they say, ho-ho, you know. <laughs> and the next person says, hee-hee. Or a, a different order, maybe. But um, I just thought that was the funniest thing I had ever seen in my life. <laughs> I remember they, they had such simple, such simple jokes that I wasn't seeing anywhere else, but... You know, it was just, it was so, it was just a really classic thing. Everything still seemed very funny, despite mm-hmm. it being old. You know, there's also a lot of things that they did that was, that was very touching. Uh, stuff that, you know, really, you kind of saw them as, like, people that you knew. You felt like you knew them when you watched them. It was mm-hmm. like, they, they had so much personality. And it was kind of like, a, uh, like, there's one called Pack Up Your Troubles. You know, and that one's a little sad. <laughs> um, and I remember, you know, watching those and it's just, there was just, there's so much heart in what they did. You know, just the way that Hardy looks at Laurel, you know, you could tell he's really, really done with him. You know? <laughs> it's, it's a really relatable kind of, uh, you know. Uh, yeah just just watching it you you can feel it yourself. And you've been, you know, many people have probably been in situations like that or, you know, felt the same way just looking at somebody they're working with or just like, yeah it's this it, guy you know? having siblings it's such yeah. a relatable situation it, you know because you feel like they really love each other these two guys mm-hmm. are obviously really close you and know yet Hardy and, always introduces laurel to people as my friend mr laurel so yeah mm-hmm. and yeah so they have this really lovable relationship where it's mm-hmm. just like you know you could totally see this is Almost like brothers and like best friends. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Despite all of the crazy things yeah. that happen and whoever's fault it is, they'll still, <laughs> they stick together. Yeah. Like yeah. last night I watched um, their first mistake and the, the general premise is that Hardy's, uh, Hardy and his wife are kind of arguing because he's friends with Laurel essentially. <laughs> and uh, he spends a lot of his time with him. And uh, she she doesn't like that, and so he's trying to pretend on the phone that it's somebody else. But of course, he's found out that it's actually Laurel because Laurel comes over and is like, "Hey, I'm the one who was on the phone." <laughs> <laughs> so he gets chased out by the wife, yeah. and it's just so funny because he goes to Laurel's place and they just like hang out on the bed, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'd totally talk with my friend like that." You know, you just. You're laying back, like, Just kicking back, like, hey, yeah. these are my troubles. What the heck do I do? <laughs> and Laurel, in this one, it's hilarious because he's like, have a baby. You should just get a baby. <laughs> That'll solve all, all your, your troubles. troubles. <laughs> well, it's so interesting, funny. too, in that episode because he, Hardy says, um, talking about the troubles he's having with his wife, he said, she, she thinks I think more of you than of her. And Laurel says, well, you do, don't you? <laughs> And he doesn't dispute it. He says, we won't go into that. <laughs> it's a common theme Subtly. with the things yeah. with the wives. Yeah. That's like a, yeah. I noticed that a lot. Mm-hmm. It was like the, the wives were always kind of mad mm-hmm. at them. And um, so when, like, when did they actually start? Do you know, Dad? Each had had separate film careers. And Laurel, when he entered films, had already been an established stage comedian. But each had been in films since the 19-teens. They're first pairing together was uh, just very incidental. Laurel was the star of a movie in 1917 called Lucky Dog, and in it, uh, Hardy was the, uh, played the heavy, a bad guy, and Laurel was running down the street trying to chase after a dog or something, and he uh, 
hence the name Lucky Dog. And he uh, encountered this stick-up Hardy was sticking the guy, holding a, <laughs> holding a gun to the guy. And Laura was standing right behind him, unbeknownst to Hardy. And he took the man's money and he put it in what he thought was his pocket, but it was in <laughs> Laurel's pocket. And then when he turned around, he saw Laurel standing there and had the money in his pocket. So then he turned the gun on Laurel Well, the original victim ran away. He turned the gun on Laurel, and then by a subtitle, they was the first words between them. And he said, "Put them both up, insect, before I comb your hair with lead." And oh my so, goodness! Oh my! Yeah. And it went from there. Obviously, Laurel manages to get away, and Hardy gets stuck in a fence or something. That made it's a very <laughs> simple film, but that was their first. And then they weren't together again for another decade. That was with a different company, but the Hal Roach Studios had signed Hardy on, in I think 1925, and then he. Um, signed uh, Laurel on in 1926 as as a gag writer mainly and um and director and there was a film where Hardy spilled scalding fat on his oh. hand and burned himself so badly that he couldn't couldn't take part in the film he was supposed to play the part of a butler mm-hmm. so Laurel instead of directing the film had to stand in and was very successful and they said well we've got to keep this guy acting and so by the time the next film rolled around Hardy was better and the result was the Laurel and Hardy partnership, the two of them uh, were suddenly cast in the same film together, not as a team, but just in the same film. And in the next couple of years, next year or so, as the films were produced, they saw how the chemistry between these two, the audiences noticed it, the directors noticed it, Hal Roach noticed it and said, we've got we've to somehow team these guys up. And so they teamed them up and in 1927 put them together um, into a film called Putting Pants on Philip. And that was... Uh, <laughs> They didn't go by their names at that time, but they were just both in the film sort of as a team. That was the first official Laurel and Hardy short, and then several followed. They were initially silent, and then uh, by 1929, they started incorporating sound into the shorts. Oh, okay. So from 1927, officially, was when they... Really started? Yeah, there mm-hmm. was that incidental one from 1917, but uh, 1927 was when they filmed as, as a team. I remember, I know that... I, that when you're talking about the silent film, I remember Hardy was in a silent version of The Wizard of Oz. I've seen that. I don't recommend it to everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, from 1925. <laughs> yeah, that one's, it's a little rough. Um, <clears throat> it's, yeah, um, but it, it did happen. He was in that. And I remember, because I, I, I saw that on TV, and I thought, what? What's he doing? Why isn't he with Why isn't he with Laurel? Yeah. Like he can't, he's not, he can't exist on his own, you know. Like I was so so surprised. And so was Hal Roach. Like was that like a really big studio at the time? Or it was it was fairly big. It wasn't the biggest, but it was a fairly big studio. And he had he had what he called his comedy all star team. That was a series of films they were doing, and Hardy was part of that. And Laurel was like to say a. a, a gag writer and uh, uh, that's how their association began with the comedy all-stars team and then he decided to give them their own series the oh. Laurel, Laurel and Hardy series and beginning with that film that I mentioned uh, putting, right. uh, putting pants on Philip so um another thing I th- thought we might, we might want to talk about too is their their song their theme song because it, it's so interesting it's a really <laughs> it's a really unique incredibly recognizable now <laughs> yeah. yeah it's I mean so cool yeah um I love it. And I read that Laurel, it was part of a radio program, I think, and then Laurel heard it on the radio and was like, he thought that the two, the two sounds, you know, there are two basic sounds in, in the song and one reminded him of 
himself and one reminded him of hardy mm. and you know the idea so it was like the the cuckoo cuckoo reminded him of him his oh, character yeah. the more like <laughs> aimless kind of silly uh guy you know <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know and you know uh hardy was like this southern gentleman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if you one thing about them as a pairing is that uh if you don't know anything about them is that hardy is a southern gentleman and that laurel is british um (laughs) i would say hardy is very very proud to be southern um Mm -hmm. and uh you know that's what like that's part of the in part of the whole shtick they're so different one's american and one's from great britain and uh i always liked i always liked that too i always liked hearing the the his accent you know the sounds are different i don't i never knew growing up in ohio i never knew anybody from the south mm-hmm. never knew anybody from the uk um <laughs> so they both were very different to me yeah um it's interesting though that you point out their voices cuz i never really even thought about it i almost thought that laurel was putting on a voice i never even yeah, he was born in 1890 in a small town in northern England, just south of the Scottish border. So uh, he was uh, and the son of a the- the- theater producer. Wow. Whereas Hardy was born in 1892 in Georgia, as you said, and uh, was um, his family was not theatrical, but he sang in church choirs and actually at age eight ran away to join a minstrel show. And, wow! Uh, but his name eight. he was born born Norvell Hardy, and he added the Oliver later, and he was after oh. in honor of his dad. He honor I think his dad passed away and so he honored it him by naming himself uh, oliver norvell hardy which he often said in the films with some pomposity you know some, yeah. some pride when he would introduce himself he admitted later on that he was very always had been very proud of his name and their voices transferred well to film not everybody in the silent film era did audiences were amazed at how well their voices just seemed to suit them so was so yes it was a genuine uh, british accent for laurel and hardy's was truly the southern gentleman mm-hmm. accent which one do you like better, Dad? Could oh, you? So, that's <laughs> a tough question. One can't I, exist without the other. <laughs> I was just wondering if I was just wondering if if you had one that you favored more than the other. That's no, all. not really. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're like an entity together. You, you, yeah, you said it before. Like you, it's impossible to have one without the other. Once once they've been built as a, a duo for so long and successfully, yeah, once, and the way they interact with each other too. Like yeah, Laura, Laura would say, um, Ollie. Do you mind if I have another idea? <laughs> and he'd say, "If it's anything like the last one, yes." You know, just little funny oh, things like that. Aww. Yeah, it's, it's it's something they have to bounce off each other from, yeah. and it wouldn't work, you know, without one another. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd, you know, it wouldn't feel the same, at least. So it's, there was that interesting uh, thing that came about re- fairly recently within the past year or so, where it was the was it Yanny or Laurel? Oh, Yanny or, or Laurel, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, man, no, it's it's uh, Laurel it's and Hardy. Laurel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about, Yanny? Yeah. Oh, my god. Before gosh. you really look into what the heck's going yeah, on. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> By the way, we're going to put that to rest right now. It says Laurel. Thank you. <laughs> anyway. Um... I was thinking, too, is there any, like, short or movie that you favor the most? Oh, there's so many. I don't... I don't know. I mean, the music box won the Academy Award for the best short subject of 1932, so that's obviously a very good one. And there's um, there's just many others. Uh, Toad in a Hole is very good. Um, Thicker Than Water, their final short in 1935, is <clears throat> very good. Aww. And there there were uh, 
1935, they stopped doing shorts. The Howard Road Studio saw it was more profitable to have uh, to have them stop doing that and just place them in feature films only. Yeah. Which they had been interspersing the shorts and features together for since 1931, but after 1935, they did only only movies until their association with Hal Roach ended in 1940. When I think of them, I have a very there's like a series of scenes from movies that I remember that that I like the best. You know, Way Out West, uh, the scene where he eats his hat, um, and then Chumps at Oxford. A chump at Oxford. When he has the uh, when he has the uh, the dizzy spell. Mm-hmm. Um, spells. you know, I, I like those those things. Like I, I always remember. Like <laughs> you know, it's very. Um, but the music box, I think I could watch that over and over again and never mm-hmm. be tired of it. That's yeah. I was gonna say that's for me. That would it, that would be that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's timeless. <laughs> it's so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, most of their comedy is, mm-hmm. um, which is you know one of the best things about it. But that one really, you can see it uh, throughout the whole thing. How how it. It doesn't rely on the time, or it doesn't rely on anything like that to be funny or yeah. to be entertaining. That's the one I always jump to for sure. It's flabbergasting to many people. You know, your mom wouldn't watch, didn't want it. Troubled her to watch that because yeah. of, <laughs> things kept going so wrong all the time. It kept <laughs> es- escalating. That the difficulties escalated, and I know my two brothers have watched it, and they're both practical guys, and they had to get up and leave <laughs> at the point. When they finally got the piano upstairs and somebody pointed out that they didn't have to take it up all those steps, they could have just come up and around by the road. And so the guys take the piano, realizing their mistake, they dutifully take the piano back down the steps and come up the road. And when that happened, my brothers, Tom and John, said, oh, no, no, I can't watch <laughs> They had to get up and leave. That was just too stupid for them. <laughs> I, I, and I, We've talked about it before, Dad, where we said, you know, comedy isn't the best time traveler. You know, they, it, it's hard for things that are comedic in one period of time to stay funny. Right. Over, yeah, you know, it, and th- that's just one of those things that... Yeah, especially when the comedy um, is topical. Um, you know, a lot of stand-up comedians, y- you can't go back and watch their old stuff because they're talking about things that are happening currently or... Yeah. Or, you know, things that don't make sense nowadays or could be fixed by having cell phones or you know, something like that. Um, But this kind of stuff doesn't, you know, as I said, it doesn't rely on Mm -hmm. any of that. So, so it easily, it easily uh, transfers to to today. Yeah, it's timeless. Mm -hmm. One of the scenes that I remember probably the most from my childhood that I had seen is the one where uh, they go and they get a milkshake. (laughs) (laughs) And I believe it's Laurel who, who gets his half because they're share, they're going to share it. Right. And uh, so Laurel has it first, and he, like, drinks the whole thing. And Hardy's like, what What about my half? And he's like, well, my half was on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That really shows their relationship. You know, when, when Laurel looks, I mean, when Hardy looks at empty, the empty soda. glass. Soda. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Again, oh, are we he's all here to correct it's a soda. Us. <laughs> yes. Not that it matters. Um, no, it, it, I mean... And uh, he looks at the empty glass, and, and instead of just, you know, reprimanding him or yelling at him, he just kind of looks at him and, do you know what you've done? Do you realize what you've done? <laughs> you know, and Laurel immediately kind of, he gets really upset, you know, because he starts to feel, you know, kind of sad and guilty, and and he's, why did you do it? <laughs> you know? My half was on the bottom. Is that such a brilliant line? Like, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah it is. <laughs>
So, mm-hmm. Dad, do you think that they were a big influencer to other comedic acts at the time? At the time, I, well, they they were no doubt they were they had an influence on comedy forever hence and just. Uh, uh, they were superseded in the 40s by Abbott and Costello because that uh, their, their scholars differ as to why that actually happened. Laurel and Hardy were getting older, and they had less creative um, involvement with the under the new contracts with different studios, with um, 20th Century Fox and with um, MGM. But Abbott and Costello were like what the war crowd wanted at that time during World War One. They were more favorable, uh, and have since dropped out of favor. While Laurel and Hardy. Uh, their comedy endures. You know, they look like Martin and Lewis and other comedy teams that, that came after them, and Abbott, even Abbott and Costello and some others, they would, uh, you know, some of them really famous teams like Audie and Body, for example, they came after. <laughs> some side there. <laughs> Plug. <laughs> no, doubt they, no doubt they were influenced by Laurel and Hardy. There's that the music box which is a short Lauren that one that won the oscar that dad mentioned and then there's a short from the three stooges um called i think it's called an ache in every steak is that the right one or is it a different one? and yeah so there's an ache in every steak and it's a similar concept where they're trying to bring ice to somebody on a hot day up a big hill and they have to go up the steps we always kind of thought that that might have been either a reference to Laurel and hardy or maybe you know, they were like, inspired by them. Or a rip-off. Or a rip-off. Or a rip-off. <laughs> if you want to be cynical about it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the long steps, the mm-hmm. fact that it comes back down multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because every time Curly gets to the top of the steps, mm-hmm. the ice is melted, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, it, it, and that that's a really good, that's really good, too, if you guys want to watch that. It, play on the Sisyphean myth, right? Yeah. Yeah. In In the same way, not just that particular scene, but in general, a lot of that stuff... Ha- um, you can see it uh, being uh, used, or um, it influences a lot of stuff, especially in cartoons and animation. A lot of the time, they rely on that slapstick humor, um, mm-hmm. and maybe in cartoons it's a little exaggerated, you know. But it all stems from something, and it, it and you can attribute a lot of that stuff to to Laurel and Hardy, and, and in some cases, the Three Stooges, or you know, yeah. similar similar uh, comedic duos or, or right. trios. Yeah, with, without it, I wonder, it, it's interesting to think about what cartoons and, and that thing, and that stuff uh, might be like without without that influence. Right. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, everything that we have today was influenced by all, everything that came before. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have this beautiful conglomeration of all this stuff, but I think Lauren Hardy had such a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Because, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they... they... Their words were also very specific as to what they were talking about, and like little little quips. Like in in the episode that I was talking about before, their first mistake, uh, Laurel says, "I don't look, or I'm not as dumb as you look." (laughs) 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 So I mean, that's obviously a play with words. Like, yeah. And and one thing that. the Lego the Lego movie kind of does this a little bit. Um, the most recent example I can think of, but some of that, some of those lines that you like blink and miss it kind of comedy, where mm-hmm. where if you're not listening to what he's saying, you would think if you're just like kind of going along with it, you'd think he said, "Oh, you're not as dumb, you're not as dumb as you look," or "or I'm not as dumb as I look," because that's what that's what yeah. it normally right. is. But if you listen close, mm-hmm. you know, 
or, or if you're paying attention, you get the the actual joke, and it's yeah, it's so clever. Which in theirs at least Hardy like recognizes it himself. After, so if you didn't recognize it, he second. kind of like right, recognizes he, he it the, for you. The kind of a double take, like yeah, like wait a minute, <laughs> yeah, you know, like he, you know, he does it a lot, you know, with the kind yeah. of nods his head, turns, and then yeah, like, he kind of he kind of hears it how we're meant to hear it f- first, like oh, you're not as dumb right. as you look, but or or you know, he <laughs> yeah. hears it the yeah. the correct way the first time but then realizes what he actually said. Yeah. There is something that they that they always say. Mm-hmm. Hardy always says it. What is it, dad? Here's another nice mess you've gotten me into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Often it was his fault. As much as his, much his fault as Laurel's. But, uh, Laurel would always count and say I couldn't help it, you know, and start crying usually. Oh. Yeah, I always told that was always the thing too. I always felt a little bad for him cuz he'd always cry. When I was a kid, <laughs> well, why is that man so sad? <laughs> that even played a role in the film where they actually died in the end of the film. And in 1939, they did one called The Flying Deuces. It was for another company. They, they RKO borrowed them and they, from Hal Roach, and they did a film with them. And Hardy was trying to commit suicide because he'd lost a woman that he loved and wouldn't, because was all found out she was already married. So he talks Stan into reluctantly going with him, and they want to throw themselves into the water, and rocks tied around them, and... They were ready to go, and he said that, uh, Stan asked him, say, what would you be if you were able to come back, you know, be reincarnated? And he goes, I've never given it much thought. He says, I, I suppose I'd like to come back as a horse, he said. And uh, Laurel, Laurel says, I'd like to come back as myself. I've always liked myself. I've got a long swell with me. And he said, come on, let's just do this. <laughs> and they finally they, they try several times, and he, the whole thing finally gets aborted. They get talked out of it by a passerby. And, but at the end, they're in a plane, and the plane crashes. And, oh, man. And oh. then they, it shows them going up to heaven, floating up to heaven with, with wings on, you know. And, but as they had been discussing it, Hardy had, said, had asked him, he had said, what, you'll just be wandering alone through the world. People will look at you and wonder what you are, and I won't be there to tell them. And that's what convinced Laurel <laughs> to do it. And so... After it shows them going up to heaven with wings, then it, the final scene is Laurel walking alone along a country road with a backpack on over his shoulder and on a stick with a tied together with some cloth. And he hears a voice say, "Stan, Stan, it's me!" And he looks and stands and Hardy's a horse. He's got a black, <laughs> got his black bowler on and a little mustache and everything. And he has come back as a horse, and of course, Laurel had come back as himself, and was in fact wandering alone through the world, you know, with no one there, no one there yeah. with him. And Hardy just looks at him and says, "Here's another nice mess you've gotten me into." Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I I try to think about uh, how people saw them when they were in their prime. I mean, how popular were they? Well, they were very popular. Critics didn't care much for them. It was once said that nobody liked Laurel and Hardy except the public. The critics were very harsh on them, but the public loved them and flocked to their films. So huh, among so the public, sound, they were very popular. Sounds about normal, yeah, then. I critics mean, hate things that everybody <laughs> normally it, likes. It, it's, it's, it's like what you said earlier, Robin. Um, they're super relatable. You know, your your movie critic may be looking at it from a um, a perspective where they're looking at how it's filmed and how well it was written and all this stuff whereas the public's just watching it for what it is you know and they laugh at the jokes and they think it's great um you know that still happens today like you said you know um, yeah so it, it makes sense you know it makes sense that the critics wouldn't be happy about it but you know uh people still love it and they'd be 
popular in that way, like a lot of artists are not appreciated until they're long past, you know. The writer Kurt Vonnegut, in his book Slapstick, which he dedicated to them in a sense, he wrote um, up front, uh, dedicated to the memory of Arthur Stanley Jefferson and Norvell Hardy, two angels of my time, because he called it situational poetry. He thought the fundamental... The fundamental joke, quoting from his book, the fundamental joke with Laurel and Hardy, is it, it seems to me, was that they did their best with every test. They never failed to bargain in good faith with their destinies and were screamingly adorable and funny on that account. And situational comedy that everybody would relate to where you're in a situation and things go wrong. That basically was what their, their comedy was. That was the premise, central premise for their comedy. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there is... Anything today that is like it's like our Laurel and Hardy? Um, one that I can think of that's been fairly popular is Will Ferrell and um, oh, what's his John name? C. Riley? John C. Riley, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, personally, Which is I don't. Funny, he played Hardy in the movie, right? Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but it's personally, I don't think it's the same. I mean, they haven't done anything other than just being in a couple movies together. I mean, maybe they've done some other stuff that I haven't seen, but really they just end up in a couple movies and they're they're funny together. But um, but with Laurel and Hardy, they're you know we we mentioned it already. They were kind of inseparable at a certain point. You know, they their comedy relied on each other. Um, and uh, I think Will Ferrell and John C. Riley aren't at the same level um, right. in terms of being a comedy duo. But that's like the closest one I can think mm-hmm. of off the top of my head. I was thinking about um, how James Franco and <laughs> I'm blanking on the other names. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're often paired. In, like they yeah. seem to do a lot of movies together. I'd say they're, they're I would call them basically a comedy duo um, in a way. But I don't think they have the same pull right now that, you know, or maybe Hardy like did. Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. Yeah. Maybe. It's a good but I don't. Too. I I can't think of anything. That's why I, I maybe not just a duo today, but just anything that would be our Laurel and Hardy. You know, mm-hmm. I, I something that would resonate, you know, for a long, long time. Yeah, but do you think that Laurel and Hardy, like, if if there was something like that right now, like a duo that only appears together, and you know, <laughs> obviously we don't have a lot of, um, you know, shorts aren't really. A very popular thing. People don't go to the theater to watch shorts uh, right. as mm-hmm. much now. Um, that'd be fine though if they brought them back, played them before movies. But uh, if there was a, du- a duo like that, like Laurel and Hardy, do you think that they would do well? If you do you think that a Laurel and Hardy today would do well? Personally, I think they might be more of kind of like a flash in the pan kind of duo um, or or shorts where they're really funny for a while. Um, but then in society today, we'd kind of just move on to the next thing, mm-hmm. you know, cause like an example, like the Kardashians, you know, sure <laughs> yeah. in that world, they're still big, but like they were big mainstream everywhere for a minute. And then, you know, everybody else kind of moved on. The people who are still mm-hmm. interested are still interested, but it, as far as the mainstream goes, yeah, it's not much to it. And I think that's just kind of the way it is today. Um, I mean, maybe I would love to see something more of like a Laurel and Hardy that could last happen. Um, but you know, I wouldn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Something that makes me think of it might be, uh, if anything that came close would be YouTubers. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. If there would be, a, you know, somebody who was on YouTube that was that way. Mm-hmm. I guess <laughs> When that's I think true. of shorts. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's probably the most, that's what we have for our short form comedy now. Um, but I, I was just wondering. Yeah. Um, so what do you think that, you know, these movies and shorts uh, meant to people when they came out? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, teacher. What was that we, question again? We, I think we lulled you to sleep. <laughs> uh, as, as, as I mentioned before, I think it was just relatable to, to yeah. people. They could just uh, they saw themselves and in the follies of Laurel and Hardy. They, they just they could relate to everything going wrong all the time, and uh, and you you still try to, to forge through it and, and and do the best you can with whatever situation you you're faced with. Yeah, it's a very mm-hmm. grounded situation. It's like nothing yeah. nothing out of the ordinary, um, nothing that would only happen to famous people or something that would only happen to someone in a in a very specific job. You know, it could happen to anybody. Yeah. The kind of stuff they're they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So, Dad, um, we were thinking about some other people that might be involved in Laurel and Hardy. Um, like we were t- we talked about Hal Roach for a second. Um, was there anybody else? Well, some of the people that appeared in their shorts had their own series, too, like Edgar Kennedy. Originally had been a Keystone cop. He oh. played a policeman in, in on some of their shorts, and then also um, he uh, had his own series with Hal Roach, and had his own long series of comedies. Um, James Finlayson actually was, when they, the, I mentioned the comedy All-Stars earlier, 1925-26 that Hal Roach put together. He was their big star at the time. He was oh. generally... Gradually superseded by by Laurel and Hardy, but he was in almost every film of theirs, every short, every every movie. Um, also, from he was from Scotland too, and he had uh, um, he benefited certainly from being in, in their films and a host of other other people too. There, there were a lot of it wasn't a huge film, and everybody knew everybody. And there were a lot of the women that played in it: uh, May Bush and Anita Garvin and uh, Blanche Payson and several. Probably certainly benefited from being being in their films. I would say. Was Billy Gilbert in their films? He was in right. He was in the music box. In fact, he was that, that pompous uh, professor that came down. <laughs> My the favorite steps. character in that short. <laughs> Me, walk around you. Right, <laughs> right, right. He was in. He was in a good number of their of their films. Um, Thelma Todd, uh, of course. Thelma Todd was in a lot of their films, but she also uh, Hal Roach decided to try to make a female Laurel and Hardy team, and he paired her for, first wow. with Zazu Pitts and then later with uh, pa- uh, Patsy Kelly uh, as uh, as a comedy team. It did very well. In the, Have you seen any of their shorts? Yeah, I've seen a lot of them. They, uh, hmm. they It took them a while to realize that they couldn't be, I was reading last night, they couldn't be in the same types of situations as, as the male players. They had to be put them in, they didn't work as well, and they had to be put oh. in situations that were more specific to women, um, rather than, say, knockabout comedy, that they would, they, right. they, when they were in those, they didn't, they didn't do as well. But they, Laurel and Hardy actually made a cameo appearance in one of their films in 1931 called On the Loose, and uh, they were at the end of the film and ended up getting, getting plates thrown at them by the women. <laughs> you have to run out. Typical. Yeah. Every day. That's what I go to, my number one. My number one. Hardy got hit, especially with a lot of plates over the years. (laughs) His wife. Very satisfying to to break over somebody. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I remember you talking a lot about Thelma Todd. I know that she was a pretty big name in comedy 
kind of you know and, and that's kind of that's kind of fun mm-hmm. you know a female in comedy yeah in that, in that time period oh, man impossible um, yeah so that was a thing were they were they nearly as successful as laurel and hardy the the female comedy duo they were pretty popular in their day they weren't as successful and they they benefited laurel and hardy came to their set from time to time and offered suggestions and they, they were all good friends and so they Aww. they um they makes you want to hang out with them <laughs> benefited. yeah a lot you know a lot of the women said that it was anita garvin said she never knew uh, a bigger genius than stan laurel and <laughs> because of his writing skills his gag writing skills and he worked all the time on on their films hardy often would like to go off to a golf course or a racetrack and <laughs> laura would stay back and, and work to edit he had a huge hand yeah. in editing the films and uh and in the gag writing other people would write the scripts but he would augment them or he would add gags to them and mm-hmm. they gave him then the roach years they gave him that creative freedom that they were denied after they uh, broke away from from hal roach in 1940 wow. man so kind of like robin does and then adam and i just kind of go off and uh, play golf <laughs> or do whatever out. and hang out <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you think some studios nowadays um, kind of look at that and maybe think may- maybe that's how some actors and actresses can kind of get away with improving some things, you know, uh, like a Jim Carrey or a or a Robin Williams, you know, kind of just doing what they want and it they, the, you know, the studio or the writers kind of letting it happen because you know with Laurel and Hardy uh, specifically Laurel putting his own stuff into it even though he's not technically the the writer or, or director at the yeah for for whatever it is they they still allow it because it you know it worked back then why wouldn't it work now um, right and that I mean that's got to be really like beneficial as a creator yeah to, to be with a studio that will give you the freedom to to do what you want so that way you're a part of projects that you actually believe in and you're not part of projects that you know you're not in it because you signed a contract to be in a certain number of films you're in it because you know this is also your work and um so that's pretty sounds pretty great (laughs) yeah that's gotta be really nice especially if it's if you're with somebody who you would consider a friend not just in in world but in in real life as well you know so from from what you know about our own hardy dad did did they like really? Do you feel like that's they really loved their jobs, or do you feel like it was just like a career? Oh no, no, I think they liked it. They loved what they were doing, especially during their Hal Roach years. And they had. I should point out that there were a couple films that Laurel had full control over. He was they Whoa. were actual Laurel. They were built as Stan Laurel Productions, and those were like Our Relations and um, Way Out West was actually a totally really a, a Stan ah, Laurel production. That's a so, really good one, guys. Many people consider Way Out West to be the greatest of their films. That or Sons of the Desert, possibly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he had uh, total control of, over those two movies as producer. Wow, that's cool. And they were friends in real life, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah I think that would really crush my dreams if I <laughs> if, if they, I found out that they yeah. didn't like each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, there are a lot of duos out there that I, I really don't care if they're not friends outside mm-hmm, of their right. duo. You know, <laughs> like I'm I'm like you know, <laughs> you know, a job is a job to you know sometimes, and you know, professional relationships are they're fine. Um, but that's one of those duos where it's like, if they weren't friends, I would be really upset about it. <laughs> well, they respected each other's work. I mean, Laurel would, was the workaholic who would stay behind and, and, and in the studio and, and work on these things. But, uh, some people would uh, said that they'd hear great peals of laughter coming from the room where Laurel was working <laughs> and he'd look and they'd look and see what was going on. He was laughing at Hardy and his work Aww. that he was doing and, uh, and vice versa. They both respected each other's work and what they brought to the team. 
Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, that's really satisfying. I know sometimes um, in a lot of movies and TV shows when, you know, when the couple gets together or or you just love these two together and then then they're not actually married. Like the one a lot of people talk about in Parks and Rec. Yeah. Um, um, Andy and... um, Andy and April. April, thank you. Yeah. Uh, they're, yeah, they're not together in real life, and people get upset about it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's good. To, it's it's nice when when sometimes it does it does work out that way. They were good friends, but they also had their differences. And and the films yeah. that have come out in the last couple of years about them show some of the differences they had, and some of the, uh, the some of the way reasons that they were sometimes angry with each other too. Just like any two friends would be, I suppose, from time to time. But. Uh, uh, but overall, uh, they said that they, it was obvious that the two uh, had great respect and, and loved each other and just um, were, uh, that's what, what made it work, the chemistry between them. I read that um, Laurel didn't want to do any movies after Hardy died. Is that true? I, I, I think that's true. I know that I don't believe that there were any. Their final film together was a French film and a French company in 1951 told them that they could have total control over a film, but Laurel was very sick and could only work for a few hours at a time on it. And uh, it was a film called Atoll K, and and he said that people were... We found out we didn't have as much creative freedom as we thought we were going to have. There's so many people. It was filmed in France, and there were so many people on the set that spoke different languages. And and it it was he called it. It said it really showed it was a it was kind of a disaster. And their final film, and the, he even looks kind of grotesque. He's very thin and wrinkled in oh. in it. And mm-hmm. uh, and that's not. Uh, it was kind of a sad film ending for for them. They did do some tours afterward and live tours. And uh, that Ray Bradbury writes about in one of his books, having seen them in one of their tours and. And were very popular with people, but overall, they just uh, they thought that the world they were f- afraid that the world had, had moved on and and weren't really that interested in them anymore. So it was kind of a sad decline, I guess. And Hardy right. Hardy died in 1957. He'd had some strokes, and uh, and then he died. And Laurel died eight years later in 1965. Do you know a lot of people your age that when you were in high school or grade school, and you were watching Laurel and Hardy or you were following them, did you know a lot of people who who liked them? Cause it no, no? <laughs> not that many. The book that I have, Laurel and Hardy by Charles Barr, when I the first one that I got about them, and I carried it with me in high school, and Aww. being the sort of reclusive nerd that I was, nobody else had this a book or anything like this, and so I would sometimes hear people talking about it, you know, and some of the girls say, "Hey, hey, maybe we can get Bob to read from to, from his Laurel and Hardy book for us here today." Oh. And, and I went to one class, a biology class, and uh, some of the guys saw that Laurel and Hardy book. And they said, hey, everybody, and they took it away. And from me, they're oh. passing around the room going, hey, look at Laurel and Hardy. Look what Hecker's got here, Laurel and Hardy book. And Mr. Heddington, our biology teacher, walked slowly over to him, took it out of his hand, walked it back to me, and sat it down in front of me and said, I'm an old Laurel and Hardy fan myself. Aww. So I felt a little vindicated Aww. by that. Yeah. <laughs> there he he was a good guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, Dad, I'm also a Laurel and Hardy fan, so Mm -hmm. it's okay. (laughs) 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 But I can't, yeah, it's so crazy because you grew up in a time where they were known, but it wasn't popular to like them. And I grew up in a time where almost nobody knew who they were when we were kids. I, you know, Mm -hmm. if I went to school and asked if people liked Laurel and Hart, I mean, no one had, there was nobody. Like, there wasn't, you know, even if I carried that book around, people would put have been like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that there was an old movie theater that we used to go to when I was a kid called Flickers. 
and they were on the sign. Their silhouettes were on the sign, and I always really liked that when I was a kid, you know. Because it was like, it was like I knew about something that other kids didn't know about, so it was like I, yeah. I had some access to this special knowledge. You got the reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what did you guys think of Laurel and Hardy the first time you watched it? Um, the first time I watched it, uh, I, I guess, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I had heard the names before and I kind of understood a little bit of what it was, but, um, having not seen anything at the time, I, I guess I didn't really know what to expect. I thought it might be a bit like the Three Stooges or maybe a bit like, uh, you know, some of these other things, you know, old, old timey, um, comedy, but, um, but it didn't feel when finally watching it didn't feel as old as i thought it might you know um because we talked about it it's so incredibly relatable and and timeless that it's it works for any any (laughs) generation you know um so i immediately thought it was hilarious i think the first one you showed me was the music box it's a good one to watch Um, first yeah and 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 it's been in so many other things i immediately was like oh is that what this is from <laughs> or, or is that what is, yeah is, is this that, what that's, that's from? a reference to yeah, yeah um and and that's really cool to see that um so that yeah that was kind of my first experience it was immediately relatable and hilarious so i i i really enjoyed it yeah i mean i concur same <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious it's funny it's relatable i mean i feel like there's not much more i can say about it really another another one that i always that i really like me and my dad watched together was uh they go boom is that another one dad that's they get it right um 1929 one of their first ones it was released in both silent i think it was released in both silent and sound versions wow what we a handful of them were in fact I often told you that the first one they did uh, with sound was called Unaccustomed. Unaccustomed yeah. It turns out that that was the first one they did in sound only. They did oh. not have a silent version too, so they, had, they did not have a silent it. one to back to back to, to fall back on. So that's why they called it that. So they actually had spoken on film a few times prior to that. Oh, They Go Boom is a really good one. Um, I related to it on a very personal level. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's essentially they're just trying to go to bed, right? Oh, well, they already were in bed. That's yeah. right. <laughs> but Laurel or Hardy couldn't. He had a bad cold. Yeah. And he couldn't sleep, and the wind shade woke him up, and different things. Yeah, all kinds of different stuff. Water starts pouring on their heads, and <laughs> um, I mean, it's. I I, I remember uh, when I was. I think I was like eleven or twelve. I wrote a skit. To do with perform with my sister, <laughs> and uh, I I remember being very I was so heavily influenced by this kind of comedy. You know, it's like you pick you pick a very simple situation, something that you know you're just one very simple goal. You know, like I'm trying to sleep or I'm trying to you know I don't know. Usually sleep was my thing. So, um, <laughs> but you know, and and so then like you lay out these obstacles, and you know, and they kind of get progressively worse as the time goes on and that was that's one of those shorts that's just i think it's a short right yes yeah, a short yeah that's just like that that's just you know that's exactly <laughs> you know it's so simple you know it, everybody understands like what it's like when you're trying to sleep or you have a cold and you just you can't go to bed and you know things keep happening and everyone has those days 
you know, it's it's funny thinking about it. Normally, in other movies, I, I it's really hard for me to sit through. Like you mentioned, your <laughs> brothers had to walk out on it. They just couldn't deal with it. Um, I usually can't deal with that kind of stuff either. <laughs> uh, I, I think of a lot of movies that came out in the 2000s that... Uh, that had that. Um, I I can't remember the name of it, but I remember one in particular with I think it was Ice Cube. Are we there it. yet? That's the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's it's I just the things just keep going wrong, and it's so frustrating because the end goal was so simple. Yeah. Like like you just one that one day that they needed that one moment is like perfect. Everything would have been done, but it went wrong that first time, and then it went wrong a zillion other times. Yeah. And that's the whole movie. And it just gets And now so, this thing's right, but that thing's wrong. And right. Now, yeah. Yep. It's incredibly frustrating, but somehow, um, somehow Laurel and Hardy are able to keep keep me invested. And you <laughs> mentioned they go boom. Despite that accumulation of mishaps, there's that sign behind them on the wall, that motto that says, smile all the while, all the time, despite <laughs> everything that keeps going bad. And I think you and I, Robin, used that as a... Yep. Sort of a, a mantra whenever you're at OU. Yeah, would, when, when I would, go to school. I'd drop you off at school each time and would say that to each other. Just both had crummy weeks ahead, but we'd say, smile all yeah. the while. If <laughs> they can do it, we can do it. Right. Yep, that's, that's, a good, yep. that's a good mantra to live by even now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Laurel and Hardy, geniuses of comedy. You know, great people that I always looked up to and... Especially because of my dad. Thanks to my father. Thank you for showing those to me when I was a kid, Dad. Wasn't much else on. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it was when your mom was at work, and, you know, and so, oh, I got somebody I can watch these with. You know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, in a in an indirect way, Marcy and I appreciate it, too. Because yes. it made Robin who she is, and we love Robin very much. So. Mm-hmm. Aw, thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, if you, if you guys don't know, or if you, if you only don't know their names... You know, just watch a short, watch the music box. That's a good one to start with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, look them up, look up their stories. They're really fun. You know, they're really and, fun guys. And if, you, and if you get a chance, maybe see that new, that movie, Stan and Ollie. Stan and Ollie. And I mm-hmm. think there's one, is it on Hulu, Dad? There's one called Stan. I think it was on BBC. On B- okay. So it was a BBC film called Stan that is um, also about Laurel and Hardy. Uh, but that one has. That In their one. last years. Yeah. Yeah. So bring a box of tissues with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean all of these names, Laurel and Hardy, Thelma Todd, Hal Roach, Billy Gilbert, all the other names that my dad said that I'm not smart enough to remember. James Finlay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> Gotta get him in there. You know, he was the original. You think with the guy on The Simpsons that always goes, Oh Yeah. James Finlayson did it first. Oh. That was his, his trademark. He always which was it the the Bart Simpson's dad, Homer yeah, Simpson. Homer Simpson. Yeah, Homer Simpson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that originally that originated with uh, with James Finlayson. Man, so okay, Dad. Before before we go, before we close out, is there anything about Laurel and Hardy that you want the young people of America <laughs> to know? Not that you're not a young person. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, he's a senior in high school, right? Exactly. So yeah. I mean, we discussed that already. <laughs> <laughs> But is there anything that, you know, you'd want us to us to know about Laurel Hardy or, you know, anybody, maybe somebody who's never listened to them or not listened to them, ever watched them? Oh, just give them a chance. See for yourself. Make sure you watch for the, the 
facial expressions, the body language, the gestures. You can't turn your eyes away from them too much. You can't do like your mom used to try to sit and knit and crochet while she watched them. And she'd, <laughs> she'd hear some of the dialogue, but the dialogue's very sparing. And so I'd say, no, you, you really got to watch this in full. And, and so sometimes she would. But, uh, and politely smile along. <laughs> but um, just give them a chance and see for yourself, and you might be pleasantly surprised. Absolutely. All right. Well put. That's a that that was beautiful, Dad. Yeah. It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had it written on my wrist here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for thank you so much for coming on our show. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Well, we appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. This was a privilege and an honor to be here tonight. Sitting oh. in the dark with you three. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a little dismayed to see that we don't have a whole lot of light in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, Dad, thank you so much and I you know Really, we really do appreciate it. Smile all the while. Yeah, <laughs> well, well put. I can't. I don't think I can do any better than that. Um, uh, if you want to go visit our blog, uh, it's black diary or blackcasediaries.wordpress.com If I can even remember. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll let you guys finish. All right, Marcy, since I've had um, a little. <laughs> <laughs> Marcia's had a, a a touch to drink, just a little bit. Just twelve percent alcohol. <laughs> Um, yeah, she'll, uh, talk about the wine of the week, uh, on Instagram, probably. Yes. Um, so yeah, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram at Black Case Diaries podcast is our Instagram, our Twitter at Black Case Diaries, just at Black Case Diary. Yeah. One, one diary. One diary. On More than one diaries. <laughs> one diary wasn't, it was, there wasn't enough was, space. Yep. Too long. Um, and also our blog, blackcasediaries.wordpress.com. And we'll have a lot more information about Laurel and Hardy. And once again, you know, we'd like to thank my dad, Mr. Bob Hecker, for coming on. And hopefully we'll have another guest in the future. Hopefully dad will return. Yeah. We might do a Three Stooges. I got nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> he gave us all I got. So thank you so much, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Have thank a good you night. Thank for listening. Yeah. See you later, cassettes. <laughs>